All right, this is the Twins Insider Podcast. I am Michael Rand. Got Lavelle E. Neal the third down in Florida joining me. Lavelle, how you doing? Doing great, sir. How's everything? Uh, we're good. Um, we're more than six to eight six to eight feet away from each other. We're like thousands of miles away from each other over the phone. So um, we're we're, we're good. Safe. We're good and safe. Um, we'll get to some of the uh, you know some of the MLB policies around kind of the emerging. Uh, coronavirus threat in a little bit, but I want to start off more with some baseball because I imagine people are here for the baseball more than anything at this point. Byron Buxton uh, stood in, at least on the field, for live batting practice. It was on a backfield today, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he faced uh, Homer Bailey a few times and uh, swung in a few pitches, made some contact. Swung and missed a few times, you know. Um, but uh, he was active in the batting situation for the first time since last August. Active in a batting situation. So I guess what, what <laughs> impressions, but also I want to get into, you know, with all you know, with all their new additions, especially the pitchers and Josh Donaldson, with, with everybody that you know, with all the home runs last year, and you know, Buxton being shut down for a good portion of you know from August on last year. We not not like we forget about him, but. You you know he's he's a little out of sight out of mind right now, but he's so important to what mm-hmm. this team wants to do. So what, what's kind of the the impression you get from the Twins and Byron about kind of his timeline and how they're approaching getting him ready for this season? Well, I, I get the sense here that uh, Buxton's going to make sure that he is, is as close to 100 percent as possible before uh, he agrees to start the season here. I think the Twins are in agreement with that, too. They don't want him trotting it at 85 90% just to be on the field at the start of the season. They want him uh, in the lineup, once he enters the lineup, to stay in the lineup for the rest of the year. So I think that's going to be the uh, the goal on both sides here. So um, your question is, there's only two weeks left in camp. Yeah. And can he get – is that enough time for him to – uh, get ready to play in major league games. I don't know. Um, hopefully he comes to the park tomorrow and he doesn't feel any lingering soreness in his shoulder, and then he'll take some more live BP on Thursday, and then maybe he'll take live BP on on Saturday, and then maybe he could play in the game on Monday. Yeah. And now you're down to, like, the last eight games before camp breaks. Is yes. I mean, season, regular season starts in 16 days. It's quite yeah, it's fast this year. I don't see him getting 20 at-bats before, 20, 25 at-bats before it's time to leave camp and go out west to play Seattle and Oakland. So um, they got to make a decision here whether or not that's enough to have him in, uh, in the outfield uh, opening day, even though his bat may not be sharp. Uh, in most cases, guys need you know a few weeks of spring training games and, yeah. and, a, and more of a standard uh, progression toward having that bat ready for the regular season. And, you know, you don't want a situation where he's rushing into it just because um, there's a press on to get him into, onto a field for opening day. So I would actually, if you're asking me to predict, I would actually predict that Buxton probably would spend another two to three weeks in the Myers at the beginning of the year um, just to make sure his bat's ready. So when he does debut with the Twins, that he's up here for good. Do you think he would be okay with that? I mean, it's, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that wants to sit if he doesn't have to. I mean, if he's healthy, that's a different. It's a different question than if he's rusty. I would imagine. Well, I think Buxton would have no problem 
sure everything's right because doing, going the other route has not worked well. And also, I just want to point out that playing banged up like he did a couple years ago in the minors got him nowhere uh, when the Twins decided not to call him up in September. That's true. Uh, out of fears uh, that he could re-injure himself and end up getting the service time that would help him get free agency a year earlier. Um, I don't think I don't think uh, I think he still harbors a little bit of angst over that whole process. Sure. So he certainly is not going to uh, bust it just to get in the lineup to make them happy. He's going to make sure that he's 100% and ready to be effective from the start. Where do you rank him among their most important players? Not necessarily their best players, because production-wise, you can make the argument that, you know, he was he's, he's going to hit at the bottom of the order. There's a lot of guys that are going to produce more, at least offensively, than him. Where do you put him among their most important players? Hmm. Good question. Um, well, God, I would have. I think Donaldson's in that list. I think Plunkett's in that list. I think Kepler's in that list. He'd probably be somewhere around the five range, I would imagine. Okay. Um, Brios would be, God, Brios would probably be number one or two. Uh, they can't have anything, afford to have anything happen to him. Right. Um <laughs> And maybe a couple of them. Taylor Rogers might be available. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would. I would put. I would put. Uh, I put Buck no higher than five, maybe six or seven, just on the importance. Because you have some other guys. If they're not in the lineup, they're going to be hard to replace. Like uh, Rios would be hard. Would be hard to replace. Uh, yeah. Taylor Rogers is closer. Yeah. I don't know who the backup closer would be. That be right. hard to replace. Uh, right. Blanco, all star shortstop, hard to replace. Uh, old Rizzi, also yeah. starter, hard to replace. So there's no four guys right there um, who are extremely vital to the fortunes of that club. So I would, I, would, I think it's safe to say that Bucks would be fifth or sixth. I would have thought fifth he'd be seventh on the list. I would have thought he'd be higher before that thought exercise. But you make some good points. I mean, it, it does go to show the accumulation of talent and guys who have stepped forward in in recent years. I mean, it felt like when he got hurt last year, like, oh man. Like how do you how do you survive that? Because if you look at you know if you look at his impact you know, in the outfield, he he makes you know two or three positions better, right? Because he you know he he's a great center fielder in his own right. Um, mm-hmm. He makes he makes right fielder better because Max Kepler can play right field when when he's, when he's when he's healthy. So it's you know there's that. I mean, defensive runs saved is kind of a fancy stat, a fancy way of measuring this. But man, I mean, the Twins were plus three. Defensive run saves last year. He was plus ten, so he is he is their defensive run saved uh, in, in a nutshell. Yes. So, you know, the defensive end we 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 don't want to overlook that, but yeah, you know, it's a it's a good point. I mean, I, they they survived without Buxton a lot better than I imagine they would by you know holding off Cleveland without a healthy Byron Buxton last year. Yeah, and you know, Kemper's a good outfitter. He's just not great. So, I mean, there's a drop off, but that's not. A knock on Max Kepler. I just want to you know, make that clear. No, yeah. But yes, the, the record about Bucks, it was it 52 and 25 or something when Bucks is in the lineup and right. versus like something that's 500. And that was alarming when you first see it. Because uh, when he's in the lineup for raising hell, the Twins are, are definitely a better club. Right. But uh, they won 101 games with him missing about 40 or yeah. whatever it was. 50, actually, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so they've learned how to win without him. He diversifies their lineup too. I, mean, I feel like he can score in slightly different ways when he's in there, just because he can, you know, make create runs with his legs. But most important, like you said, I mean, th- this team 
the luxury of winning 101 games, it feels like, it is it allows you to kind of take the long view on a season a little more. Not like you want to get off to a poor start, but I don't think this team mm-hmm. is going to be alarmed if they're you know chugging along just a few games over 500 at the end of April uh, because they know they're good and they know that they've got pieces coming as the year comes on as opposed to last year where they didn't quite know what they had. Yeah, and you know I haven't really broken down the the, uh, the schedule yet, but you know the first two months of the season, I know they open in Oakland. Oakland's no slouch, right? And they get that week in early May where they play the, the Angels and Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers could be the best team in the National League. Yeah, and uh, the, the Angels are improved, and I haven't looked at uh, I haven't looked at some of the other guys they're facing uh, in the opening period. But I, I think the they got a few testers there at the beginning of the year where, you know, them getting out to a 30 and 10 start, I don't think is feasible. Right. You know, and they, you know, they didn't exactly ride that all the way last year, but it gave them at least the cushion that when Cleveland eventually caught up to them, it wasn't like Cleveland sprinted past them and, you know, was seven games up. It was a half game for one day and then zoom, here they go again. So yeah, I'd be interested to see how they approach April and, and kind of what, urgency they have there what what else are you seeing from what else are you seeing at camp what are some of the the, the big camp stories right now well you know while uh the twins are playing some of these role sporting training games yeah they've had Odorizzi, Barrios, and homer bailey you know back at the ranch you know working on things in secret like homer bailey pitched today to buxton and some other other guys and he's working on uh sharpening his off-speed stuff and being able to uh, back up his off-speed pitch with other pitches. Because sometimes when you're, um, when he's like trying to throw one of, throw that split finger change up for a strike, um, he's so focused on that that his next pitch is kind of haywire. So okay. he's been he's been working on backing up that pitch with something uh, stronger. So that was kind of the, that was kind of his approach. Uh, today, in order, Easy's been working on his off-speed stuff, and so is uh, and Barrios is working on. He's got that great curveball, but sometimes it kind of slurves in, and he's trying to make it more up and down, more of a okay. twelve to six curveball, because that definitely makes his fastball more dangerous. Uh, if he can, if he can keep that curveball vertical as possible and mess with the hitter's heads, so. I have this one schedule. Let's see. Oakland. And then the A's come to Target Field. So yeah. they've got they got Oakland for seven games, Cleveland for three, the White Sox for three, uh, uh, the Red Sox for three in April. Yeah. So that's uh that's not a that's that's not a bad schedule there. Yeah. Oh, and then the twentieth and 29th of April they have the Dodgers, two out of three games. Yeah. So <laughs> April's not an easy schedule for this squad. No, they they're gonna have some tests early on. I feel like the they play the Yankees fairly early in May, if I'm not mistaken, or Houston too. So it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be extremely easy for them early on. But I guess the larger point was I don't think they're gonna panic if they're, you know, only off to an okay start. Right. The fans are panicked though. The fans are panic fans always panic. We 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 know that about them. We know that uh you know, I don't know, whenever, yeah, in late July, early August last year, the sky was definitely falling uh, with, with this team, you know, as Cleveland caught up to him. And, you know, and it did look like it was just going to be one of those, you know, four months great, two months not great. And then it, uh, then we found out kind of what they were really 
made of down the stretch last year. Um, you think the, how do you think the pitching is is holding up so far from what you you've seen? It feels like they've got a lot of options, uh, maybe more than they've had in the past. But uh, I'm still having a hard time kind of sorting out what the rotation looks like at the start of the year, kind of in a best case scenario. Uh, well, I think Dominic's going to end up being the fifth starter. Okay, uh, I think. I think they were heading headed in that direction. He's been effective enough, and I think the Twins like his stuff and how he uses it. I know the the results haven't been perfect. He had two great innings yesterday, and then uh, struggled in the third and gave a home run in the fourth. Um, but I think they've liked enough of that. Um, Hula Shashin is a work in progress. He's still trying to rediscover the slider that made him effective with the Brewers. Uh, of course, Lewis Thorpe is no longer in camp. It didn't help that he had to leave right. camp for a couple of weeks because of personal reasons. And then at least Devin Smelter, who has been okay, but not spectacular in camp. So uh, I think uh, I think the smoke is clearing here. They were saying Randy Dobnik, uh, the last man standing, okay, uh, in the battle to be the fifth starter. So, uh, so you kind of have your five. You just don't know what order order they're going to be in behind Barrios. I'm pretty. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, as soon as tomorrow, Rocco announces that Brios is the opening day starter. Okay, and then we can start figuring out who's going to fall in line behind him. I mean, obviously, obviously, you got Oda Rizzi falling in line behind him. Seems like Homer Bailey is a pretty good bet to to start the season in the rotation, and then. Who am I forgetting? No, Maida, right, of course. Yeah, Maida. Maida, who pitched really good. Actually, he looked really good against the Red Sox on Sunday. Okay. He had had the split finger pitch working to perfection, and he was uh, getting swings and misses and and just looking a lot better than he did in his first outing. So he's he's progressing. He's on the progression you want to see in spring training. Uh, His arm gets stronger, his command gets better, and you start to see the weapons that make him an effective pitcher. So everybody at the bottom of the rotation is kind of pitching to see who stays when Pineda comes back, when Hill presumably gets healthy at some point, if if he does, and things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, I mean you've seen it happen, too. I, they, they've got a five in place now, and I'm not calling Randy Dobnek a placeholder for Pineda right. or, or Hill anytime soon because, you know, uh, players get injured. You know, guys break down. Yeah. Guys stink and need to be replaced. And, you know, Pineda may show up right in May at the perfect time for him to enter the rotation, and so may Hill. Yeah. So I, I wanna, I don't, I'm not trying to say the Twins have a very many riches, but they did give themselves some flexibility here, yeah. uh, when they, especially when they traded for Meta, because they gave them uh, Pineda and Hill in situations where they don't have to rush them back. They can, you know, take their time and get prepared for the season and then get plugged in when uh, whenever they're needed. So um, they're, they're in a good spot if they start – they need to look at other arm options in May and June. So I want to get to this really quick. Um, new The new temporary rules went into place, I believe, today or yesterday with the limited no clubhouse access. Is that right? We're, we're doing... Yeah, Tuesday was the first day. Tuesday was the first day. Uh, no clubhouse access, you know, interviews in a different format than, we've, than we're used to seeing with baseball. What's kind of the... How are players and, I guess, the media handling... You know, a very serious medical story, but also one that is a disruptor for what you're used to doing professionally. Yeah, and a lot of us aren't happy about uh, how this has gone down. Uh, we understand the, the need for precautions to be taken in the face of uh, this this uh, in face of the coronavirus, and we're seeing what's going on in Europe. And it seems like the other four sports states were determined to do something as well. And basically, baseball probably didn't want to be the one. Uh, 
the one to stand out from everyone else. So um, they made this decision, and you know uh, we're going to work. The, we're going to work with it the best we can. You know, I was at the ballpark today, and we had to stand outside the clubhouse, and the PR guy had to run in and get people to come out and talk to us. You know, yeah. After after Byron Buxton uh, went through his hitting. Uh, when you went to uh, bat and practice, he came over and stood in the dugout, and we stood on the top steps of the dugout and did interviews, you know. So, um, and we talked to just talked to Derek Falvey within the last hour, and Falvey, you know, said he's not gonna go in the clubhouse now, he's okay, serious himself, non essential personnel, and he's gonna stay out of the clubhouse and allow the players, you know, to get ready for games and shower and dress afterwards. He may have to sneak in there a couple times. You know, for business, when we have to make a transaction or cut someone from camp, but you know, uh, it sounds like uh, he's not going to be in the clubhouse. Dan Levine's not going to be in the clubhouse. The other non-uniform personnel is not going to be in the clubhouse. Uh, sounds like Corey Provis and Dick Bramer will not be allowed in the clubhouse. Huh, so okay. they're uh, they're it's not just media. They're going to keep non-essential people out of the clubhouse while this is ongoing. So. I think from the BBWA standpoint, and I speak as I'm a member, of the, I'm on the board of directors of yeah. this year's uh, BBWA uh, group, and you know, last, yesterday was a long day of swapping text messages and emails and trying to figure out a response. And you know, we, you know I think we released a response mid afternoon that got dunked on uh, at night when the league <laughs> decided to close the clubhouses, and we had to come up with another response after right. that. So it was just a, it was a long night, but. And our concerns that, you know, in each of the last two collective bargaining agreements, um, the league and the Players Association have, have, uh, have agreed to, you know, certain restrictions in terms of media access. And they've done this without us sitting at the table at least explaining our side or maybe helping them come up with uh, creative solutions to achieve whatever they want to achieve. And so... Uh, a lot of the media is just worried that once they ban right. the media from the clubhouse, that they'll find a way to make it permanent once this threat dies. Right. Uh, we just we don't put that past them on whatsoever. And uh, but uh, you know the the leak of some of that's not true. That's not what they're going to do. And I was like, God, don't believe anything you hear from the union. So right. And that that's our concern as we move forward. Is this going to become a permanent thing? Because it it's it's kind of like the way of life in Europe to keep the media out of. Uh, lock, locker rooms and clubhouses, and uh, and you know a few months doing this may encourage sports teams to consider you know keeping media out uh, as well. And I just think that uh, I can't speak for other sports, but being a baseball writer, the time we spent in the clubhouse, yeah, I think, is very productive, yeah. and it allows us the the face to face communication. At least, uh, I think some of the best sports writing and uh, yeah. and the best stories because you can work a clubhouse and get multiple s- sources to contribute to a story, and you're able to, uh, like I like in our statement, we released it. We, it allows you to humanize players, unlike the other sports uh, allow for, just because of the access. And I think that's helped uh, baseball become this great game that's been revered over time. And I think uh, keep us out of clubs with, with damage. So uh, we're going to support this and work the best we can with clubs. As you know, this coronavirus outbreak is ongoing. But once it dies down, we hope to kind of resume uh, the, the 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 resume the way we've operated in a clubhouse over the last ten twelve years. 
That's well put. I think you're right. I mean, I would hate to see. I think the the, the time in there is completely valuable. I think this, as long as this is a temporary measure, I think it's you know it's warranted as as we kind of kind of get our arms around what we're dealing with here. But yeah, I mean, the relationship building that goes on and the stories that are built from working the clubhouse are are invaluable. So I would I would hate to see the league uh, go go back against that uh, once once this uh, once this is abated anything um, anything from Falvey that's worth noting before I let you go no nothing uh, no worthy they're close to signing most of their zero to three guys okay um, they uh, you know I, I just uh, they're pretty happy with how camp gone. has been any major injuries so um, and um, you know they're just curious to see how quick boxing can get ready when you start the season. So that's something going to be bearing down on here in the next few days. Sounds good, Lavelle. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Thanks a lot for having me.